Thank you, Beth. <laughs> Don't you think the one shirts are a good idea? Yes. Don't they, do you feel like they remind you? Ever since we started wearing them, we've, um, we actually have broken every record of how much stuff we bring in um, to give to the needy in our community. And I think that's just, um, I think that's just a great thing that we want to keep doing over this um, next year is to continue to break those records because um, I believe that when an economy, um, the way that it is right now, when that's happening, the temptation is to keep to ourselves. Um, but when we force ourselves to give and think outside of ourselves, um, is often when we find uh, the most joy um, through giving. Well, this morning, um, you might be wondering where Chris is. Um, He's got such a, he's got a very hard life. He has, um, a rough time. You know, he's a, he's a pastor. His wife is a doctor. So they have to balance two very busy careers, um, together. So Jen had to go, uh, to a conference in Florida. And, um, so Chris is doing his fatherly duty and, um, watching Jordan and playing golf, I would assume. <laughs> Uh, but my name is Isaac, and I'm the associate pastor here. And um, this week was Christmas, as most of you may be aware of. And we, um, my family lives in Massachusetts. So, um, so last Sunday, right after the service, I got down to the airport, and I went to go visit my family in Massachusetts. And it was great because... Um, I got to see my brother and my sister. My sister just got married in August, so I got to finally spend more time with um, with her husband and find out that he's just as weird as the rest of my family is. So I think I think he'll be um, okay, which is good because for the past month he and my sister have been in transition, moving to a new house, so they had to live with my parents, um, and they were actually very sad that they had to leave. So I I was like, well, he must be weird enough to be able to pull that off. But coming back, um, you know, I brought some books with me to read when I got on the plane. And um, sometimes you just get bored. Has anybody traveled recently on a plane? Within the past five years, have you traveled on a plane? Okay, now some of you might know that when you get on an airplane, you're a captive audience. I mean, you can't go anywhere. They they make you watch all sorts of little movies about how you have to put on your seatbelt and... Um, and they could say anything, anything to you, and you can't go anywhere. Now, the other thing is that because we are a consumer culture, um, there's one company that finds the most ridiculous products on the face of the planet that no one would ever pay attention to them, and they put them in a little magazine. And they put this in your pocket so that when you finally get bored enough, you'll pick this up and you'll start looking through stuff. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's called the Sky Mall. Yeah, this thing is the most ridiculous piece of literature um, I've seen. But when you're when you've been on a layover for four hours and your plane's late and you get in, you're you might just be tired enough to actually think that these um, that these are a good idea. We're we're a, a culture that's always looking for new things, ways to improve our life. And um, so I wanted to share with you some of the things that uh, that they had. Um, if I could get the first picture up there. Oh, this, is, this isn't a blanket. Don't get confused. This is a slanket. This has little arms coming out so that you, don't, you can have the blanket fully on you. But th- this is pr- somewhat functional. And so for 
for a good $60. That could be yours. Let's see what the next one was. Oh, yeah. Because I hate holding the book above my head. So that, that would just be perfect if I could have that. It's $120. That'd be an investment. But let's see what the next thing is. Oh. Nosebleeds are terrible. If your kid has a nosebleed, you want to be able to take out a $25 clothespin and put it on his nose, especially if he's on an airplane. <laughs> Can you imagine as a parent? I mean, I, I mean my mom is a ty- kind of person. She has a purse that's just huge, and it has everything in it. But, I mean, is that really necessary? Now, here's, okay, if you're, like, dating and you're on a date, and you pull this out, your chances of going on a second date just highly got reduced. <laughs> I mean, who in their right mind would think to bring an umbrella like that? What does that tell the person that you're out on a date with? Isn't the point to get the smallest umbrella possible on a date? Let's see what the next thing is. Okay, now th- this is actually important. If any of you struggle with neck problems... This is the Neck Pro over-the-door cervical traction system. So when you're on the go and you can't get to a doctor, you can just do it yourself. <laughs> and it, here, here's, what, here's what the description says. It says, by coupling precision computer-designed compression spring with a unique patented rope ratcheting device, the Neck Pro delivers a more precise amount of cervical traction incrementally. Each audible click of the ratchet signals... <laughs> an approximate one-pound increase to the, in the tension. You can go from one pound to 20 pounds. So you can hook this up. You can stick your neck in and just keep clicking it, up to 20 clicks. I mean, you are going to do some serious damage. But I mean, th- this is what people, people might buy. And there's something else. Um, that The thing that caught my attention the most was this next product. Oh, wait. No, this is in our consumer culture. Not only can you have all these other things, but do you know that if you have TiVo, you can order Domino's pizza from your TiVo? You can say, hey, I'm, I want to watch that movie, and it says, well, in 30 minutes we'll start it, but while you're waiting, just click here, and you can get your pizza feast. Um, yeah, what a culture we live in now. But if you want to do all that, you know, it's, we're heading into a new year. You're going to get all this new stuff. You want to stay in shape at the same time, so you might need this. This is, this is the hula chair. I want to read a description of the hula chair. Um, the hula chair is the biggest sensation to hit the continent. Have a healthier body, better circulation, and complete upper birdie workout without all the work. You'll love how it works out your abs. Um, and there's no better way to warm up for any activity. Simply sit upright in the hula chair, press a button, and let its elliptical motion work wonders on your body. It says it mixes ancient, tri- ancient traditional Chinese medicine with 21st century space age technology. Now, you know, my parents' generation, if you were, if you were around in 1969, what did your generation do? Your, your generation put a man on the moon. I mean, and that's, that's an amazing feat. But my generation, we come along and we use that same technology <laughs> to figure out how to order pizza 
from our seat, how to fix our neck while we're doing that, and how to get a complete workout without doing anything. I looked this up on, uh, on YouTube when I got home just to see if this chair actually existed, and I caught a little clip of an infomercial that I want to show you. Out of your workout, the Hawaii chair. You know, Tamara, the Hawaii chair wasn't designed just for home. I mean, after all, for some of us, at least 40 hours of our week is spent sitting behind a desk at the office. So to see what office workers think of the Hawaii chair, we sent Aaron Lee to work. Hi, I'm Erin Lee with Perfect USA, and today we've brought the Hawaii chair to a very busy work environment. Let's get some first-time reactions. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. It feels great on my abs. I can really feel this working. Hawaii chair while answering phones, using the computer, balancing books, or filing paperwork. You can hardly call this work. With the Hawaii chair, it takes the work out of your work day. If you can sit, you can get fit. The Hawaii chair. Thanks, Aaron Lee. Okay, now, I was sitting there in the airplane looking at this, looking at all this stuff, all this new stuff that I don't have. I, I mean, I don't have any of those. But it, it occurred to me that we're continually pursuing new things that will go to all extremes to come up with the most ridiculous piece of machinery on the face of the planet that is sold to us saying that you don't have to do anything to get fit. I mean, I, we should just line this with 300 of them. We could all come for our weekly workout while we listen <laughs> to Chris's teaching. Um, we would be the most fit, <laughs> fit church in the city. Um, yeah. Or we could fix our necks while we're at it. But... I mean, we're, we're always continually looking for new things, or we're looking for new things to do. How many of you are planning um, in a few days, or maybe you've started thinking about what your New Year's resolutions will be? Has anybody thought about that? Does anybody just not make them anymore? Okay, see, I still sometimes make them, but I just set the bar really low. Like, I will work out three times this year. It's just, it's just so much easier that I come to this point and I can honestly say, hey, I did that the three times I was motivated to go for a run. Um, I did that. But, but we're getting ready to, um, to set some goals. We're getting ready to do some new things. But we also look back on, on the year that we've just had um, and we think about all the things that, that happened, whether they were good or bad, that they somehow shaped us, impact us, or a decision that we made changed the course of our, of our life. Um, being home over Christmas, uh, this was a great time for me to be home because my, um, my grandmother had been in the hospital for 10 days with all sorts of things. She was able to come home the day before Christmas, and my grandfather had a stroke this year. And um, So all of a sudden, everything in their life is changing, and you can see things going on around you in my in my extended family, that new things are happening. There are new kids being born. There are, um, there are new jobs that are being had. There are new problems that are being had. There's, um, everybody's life is just going in, in a million different directions. But we come to this point, and we're, um, we begin thinking about what new things can I do? 
Do any of you also get these letters from friends, from people that give you kind of uh, their Christmas letter and it gives you the update of where, where everybody is at? Does anybody get those? And find out where a whole family is, what's happened in their life, and they share what they're celebrating, and they also share what they're looking forward to. That's what I want to do this morning, is I want to share a letter that Peter wrote to, um, to the church. This was like um, sometime after Jesus had died and been resurrected. This is around 70 AD, so, um, so the church was already started. But there was a point where all of a sudden they started getting persecuted. They started getting scattered all over the earth, and life was not looking good for them. And so Peter writes them this letter. I want to walk us through this letter, because it's, um, it's just very encouraging with, with how he directs them in the midst of all that's going on for them, in the midst of their families being torn apart, in the midst of every problem that they are facing. He encourages them that something new is happening, and that something new has taken place. So let's read this, um, this first thing. All of you have received this letter. So it says, he says, I, Peter, am an apostle on assignment by Jesus, the Messiah, writing to exiles scattered to the four winds. In other words, they're scattered all over the earth. Not one is missing. Not one forgotten. God the Father has his eye on each of you and has determined by the work of the Spirit to keep you obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus. May everything good from God be yours. Now, if you're reading this back in their day, you've just had a lot of things happen to you. You've had mostly bad things. Either your family was taken away from you or you've had to relocate because, um, because of you say that you believe in Jesus and that will not fly in the Roman Empire. Um, they're looking for Christians. They're, they're looking to kill them if they don't agree with, um, with how the Roman Empire thinks. So, um, so these people are reading this, and he says, May everything good from God be yours. He goes on to say, What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him, this Father of our Master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and our future. The day is coming when you will have it all, life healed and whole. Now, as as I was reading this this week, I found myself thinking and just reflecting on the fact that because I've made Christ the center of my life, He has given me a new life. He's given me a new perspective, a new way to see the world that I live in. Maybe some of you have have gone through that over the past year. You've you've changed some of the ways that you thought or some of the things that you did to be more in line with the way that Jesus taught us to live, more in line with the way that that he told us we should love love our neighbors, more in line with the way that he says that we should love the community around us. Peter, um, he encourages them, saying that we've been given brand new life, and therefore we have everything to live for, including the future. 
I know, like for me, the future coming into this year seems um, seems more bleak than it has been in the past years. And there's, to be honest, there were so many people, so many less people flying um, this year. It's very, very noticeable to know that we're not heading into the greatest, um, the greatest season um, as a community. But I was also struck with the fact that that God sustains, and that God will continue to prove Himself and to give us good things. So He says, "The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole." He says, "I know how great this makes you feel." even though you have put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. Are you at a place where you feel like your faith is being tested? Are you at a place where you feel like your, your faith is being stretched? Things in your life may be are changing, and you feel a constant tension between what you know you need to do and what's actually happening. Or maybe you feel tension within your family or tension within your work. The thing that I find um, most encouraging about being a Christian is that in the story of Christ, he's not a person who just says, do this and everything will be okay. But he is someone who came to earth and experienced the same sufferings that we experienced. He's someone who experienced betrayal, someone who experienced laughter, friendship, and, he, and in that way, we can share within all the experiences that God has. So he says, when Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence in his history. What he's saying is, as you persevere in the midst of whatever you are going through, in the midst of whatever you, you're saying, I need to hold on to something, Today, what is the faith that you're holding on to? Are you going to trust God with whatever circumstance you are in, knowing that He will give you a new perspective? Because when you put that, when you put your foot forward, when you put put your foot forward and say that I'm going to trust God no matter what the circumstance is, that's like gold to God. And God, God's not materialistic. He He's not up in heaven saying, "Man, how can I get?" more gold, I need more streets, I need... He, he's not up there doing that. He's up there watching us, saying, wow, when this, when this person in the midst of their situation just put their faith in me and is trusting me to carry, me, to carry them through, that's what I'm going to put on display. That's what I'm, I'm going to hold up like a trophy so that I can see that and so that he can, he can have things um, around him to show, to show the world that, that there are people of faith that trust God in the midst of any circumstance. So he says, you never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him. 
with laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. Total healing. Total understanding that one day, God will give that to us. He says the prophets who told us this was coming asked a lot of questions about this gift, life God, of this gift of life God was preparing. The Messiah's spirit let them in on some of it. And the Messiah would experience suffering, followed by glory. They clamored to know who and when. All they were told was that they were serving you. You who by orders from heaven have now heard for yourselves through the Holy Spirit the message of those prophecies fulfilled. Do you realize how fortunate you are? Angels would have given anything to be in on this. What he's saying is, in, in the time that he was writing this, he was writing to a group of people that had waited for hundreds of years for the promise of Jesus to come. And he says, you are so fortunate to have finally had that happen. Anyone that was living before you was waiting for that day, and you finally have the evidence that Jesus would come, that God would redeem his people, and that he would send a Messiah to heal the world. And that we're invited into that process, that we're invited to accept, accept that step, accept that direction. So he says, do you know how fortunate you are? And I just want to ask, like, do you, do you know how fortunate you are? Do you know how fortunate you are that, that we have a God that whatever we're carrying, we can give that to him and ask him for direction, ask him for that next step? If there's anything that I've learned, it's that God often doesn't, doesn't show me the entire scope of my life, the entirety of what it will look like, but he lets me wrestle with it. He lets me wrestle with things and he gives me the choice to trust him or to trust myself and trust my own plan. Um, clearly, when I find, when I follow the steps that he placed before me, I find that the results are um, more fulfilling. So in light of this, he says, so roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. I love the words that are there. As obedient children, let yourself be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. And we feel, in, our, in the culture that we live in, I constantly feel pulled in many directions. Just like when I stepped on the plane, I, I pull out the catalog. I feel, I feel pulled into looking at all this cool stuff, into thinking that, well, if I had something new, maybe, maybe that would satisfy me a little bit more. And I look around in our culture, and I find people constantly looking for new things. I was walking in the mall last week, and I saw... This, um, this big advertisement. It was a lawyer advertising for, for bankruptcy, divorce, um, and just a whole list of things. And I looked at that and I said, why are we a culture that, um, that thrives on not making good on any of our promises? 
People don't, people want to be pulled into a flow of just doing what they feel like doing instead of being pulled into a flow of being allowed their steps to be guided by God. So he says, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy and you be holy. I feel like in a lot of ways, I feel like my, my life would be similar to a boat that's in the water. And everything that happens around us are waves. And the waves are pushing me and trying to guide me in a, in a direction, but that there is a flow. There's a flow that will take me in the direction that God wants me to go. And that's where I want to be. I want to know what the steps are to be pulled into that flow. You know, this starting next week, we're um, starting a series uh, called Road Trip. And we've set, up, set out these goals called Align in 09. And within that, we're going to be unpacking all sorts of things that will help us to take the steps that will help guide us in the direction that God wants us to go. And I love how, um, how Peter recognizes this. If you look down, he says, Your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. Now, this is something that does not come naturally. I mean, it's very natural for us to take, take the life as a journey and to just walk it and to just find things and kind of have ADD and find, well, here's, what, here's what's appealing to me right now and here's what's appealing to me at this moment. But he's saying on this journey, stay focused on what's ahead with a deep consciousness of God. For it costs God plenty to get you out of that dead and empty-headed life that you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought, even though it has, on, it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge. God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrifice Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you trust God and you know you have a future in God. He's saying, it's because we know that Christ was raised from the dead that God is about reviving and restoring things in our life. The thing that I love about the New Year, and I, I was confused by myself this week. I'm like, why is it that I look at the New Year and I decide that that's when I'll start things? Like, really, it's no different than any other day, um, out of the 365 days, but somehow as a, as a culture we decide that there's a day that we will look at our lives and say, what steps can I make to improve it? So what I'd encourage you to do is to think about what steps you can take to allow yourself to get closer to God. Or what position can you take? How can you put yourself in the direction that will put you on a path that leads yourself closer to Him? Where he says, now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended on it. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. I like what he says there. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended on it. As if there was only one thing that you could do, love one another. As I was reading this, I felt convicted that when I looked over, over the year, 
I thought of different different people that I know that I um, that I let down, different relationships that I kind of let just fall to the side because I didn't want to put any more energy into it. And I felt convicted that if I need to love people the way that God would love them, then I have to get on the phone. I have to make a few phone calls this week. I have to to let people know that, hey, I'm sorry where things were left. Whether or not it was my fault or your fault or whatever, doesn't matter anymore. But what what steps do you think you could take as you think back over the year? He says, a life conceived by God himself. That's why the prophet said, the old life is a grass life. Its beauty is short-lived as wildflowers. Grass dries up, flowers droop, but God's word goes on and on forever. This is the word that conceived the new life in you. What are you looking forward to this year that will be new? What, what are you looking forward to that will give you a fresh perspective on what your life is and what your life can mean? What are you looking forward to that you say, I will take a step in that direction? And I encourage you just, um, we just have so many, we have so many new things planned um, starting next week, and we're going to start the six-week series on road trip. And, and each of the steps that we're covering are things that I get excited about because I, I see how it's worked not only in my life, but in other people's lives that there are simple things that we can do to align ourselves with a God who loves us. And so that's what I'd like to encourage you with today. Let's pray. God, we just um, pray for a fresh perspective. We pray that, um, that this letter would encourage us to, um, to stay on the path that you've put before us. We thank you that um, that you have a plan for our lives, that, um, that in our journey of life that you have us heading in a direction. And so, God, we just pray that you would help us to know how we can best align ourselves with you and that as we go into this next year, um, that it would be a year that no matter what we experience, whether it's good or bad, light or dark, that, um, that we would make, it, make a commitment to put you first and to come to you before we rely on ourselves. We thank you for your unending forgiveness and your unending love. We just pray that you would um, just let these words just sink into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Know that you are always loved in this place.